0: like we heard last Sunday, um, psalms of praise, and it's good to hit the different notes as we work our way through the Psalter, and uh, Psalm 23 is definitely one of those psalms of of comfort and strength that I'm sure many of us are familiar with. It's good to open God's Word and to meditate upon this psalm together, and before we read uh, this psalm together and hear it proclaimed, uh, let us ask God for his blessing upon the reading and preaching of his Word. Would you pray with me? Indeed, our gracious and merciful God, we look to you this morning as the God who has spoken to us. You speak every day in this created world around us and reveal your power and your majesty and your glory. But we thank you for your holy scriptures, for in this word, uh, we hear a special word that is able to save our soul. We hear the voice of our good shepherd in the word of God and we pray this morning that indeed by your spirit we would hear not simply the voice of man at this time, but we would hear the voice of God himself speaking to us through your word, that we might hear the voice of Jesus, that we might find ourselves knowing once again your great care and love for us, and that we might be renewed in our love for you so that we might follow Jesus Christ from this place, that we might be led by him as our good shepherd Thank you, O God, for your promise to draw near to us when we draw near to you in faith and in Jesus' name. For we pray in his name. Amen. Well, Psalm 23 is our scripture reading. We'll read the whole psalm and meditate upon it this morning. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Well, again, Psalm 23 is a well-known and well-loved psalm uh, by many people. Even for those who are not familiar uh, with the Bible, many people, even in our own world and culture, are often familiar with Psalm 23. In fact, when I was in California just a few weeks ago, um, I went to a funeral for a cousin of mine who had died. And to my surprise, I was asked just before the funeral service if I could actually lead the service. They didn't have anybody to lead it. And I was scrambling in my mind on what to say and, and what to read. And the first passage that came to my mind and heart was Psalm 23. This is a psalm that has helped dry many tears in times of sorrow and has provided strength. For God's people in all kinds of seasons of life. Uh, It's no surprise that the great preacher Charles Spurgeon called Psalm 23 the pearl of the Psalms. It's a memorable psalm, it's a life giving psalm that communicates to us comfort and courage. And as frail human beings in this fallen world, we find ourselves often needing comfort and courage. Uh, Throughout the Psalter, especially at the beginning, Uh, there's a tone of lament. Uh, King David, at the beginning of the Psalter, is often very honest about uh, his struggles. As we heard last week from Pastor Taylor's exposition of Psalm 13, uh, it begins with a question, doesn't it? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Uh, The people of God in this world today and in the Psalms in the early part are often filled with questions and struggles. But Psalm 23 comes into this context and, and it's really a breath of fresh air for us. It's a breath of fresh air that gives us confidence and trust in the Lord. We learn here in this psalm that because of Jesus Christ, the child of God can say in every season of life that the Lord is with me. The Lord is with us not only as a good shepherd, but in the psalm he's also revealed as one who is with us as a faithful friend. And those are the two images that we want to think about this morning that God provides for us, uh, the shepherd who is near to us and the friend that is near to us. We want to communicate, or we want to think about how those two metaphors or images communicate to us uh, the nearness of God. So first we consider the Lord as our shepherd in verses 1 through 4. Now in the Psalms, uh, David calls God many different things. He calls him his rock. He calls him his refuge. He calls him his king. But here in Psalm 23, he chooses a title for God that is more intimate, that is more personal. He calls God, again, his shepherd. Uh, This highlights the nearness of God. If you know anything about shepherds, right, they live with their sheep. Every moment of every day, they are with the flock. Uh, The work of a shepherd is an ongoing and unending task. In every season of life, A shepherd is with his flock to guide them, to protect them, to heal them. And to call God our shepherd is actually surprising because in biblical times, uh, being a shepherd was an especially humble and lowly task. If a family needed a shepherd, it was usually the youngest boy who would fulfill that role because it was a lowly task. David himself was a young shepherd boy but who is said to be the shepherd of the people of God. It's the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the covenant God, the God who made the heaven and the earth and who dwells above the heavens and above the earth in unapproachable light. This God has stooped down to be the shepherd of his people. He is the one who dwells with his sheep every moment of every day. And this is true of the people of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, when Jacob blessed his sons, he said to Joseph, his son, in Genesis forty-nine, fifteen, 15, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God, he has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. In Psalm 77, the psalmist speaks of God as a shepherd who led his people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Throughout the Old Testament, the Lord protected his people. Remember how he guided them through the wilderness. He nourished them on their pilgrim journey. The Old Testament, the Lord revealed himself in various ways and in various times, but the scriptures say in these last days that we are living in, he has spoken to us, revealed himself to us in his Son, Jesus Christ. And that's why in John 10, we heard those famous words from the lips of Jesus, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is God in human flesh, the one who fully reveals the heart of God to us. And he's the shepherd, as we heard in John 10, who brings his sheep into the fold. Jesus said in John 10, I must bring them also, and there will be one flock and one shepherd As we'll see in just a moment, Jesus is the shepherd who restores those who wander away from the fold. And how does Jesus do that? Well, he is the one who lays down his own life for the sheep. See, as we read Psalm 23, one of the questions we might be asking ourselves or that we should be asking ourselves is how can we receive such comfort like this? How can we be so confident In God's care when we are such wandering sheep. And one of the most important things you can remember about Psalm 23 is its placement in the Psalter. Psalm 23 comes after Psalm 22, uh, which opens up with another question of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And children, you might know that in the New Testament, those are the words of Jesus from the cross. That was the cry that Jesus uttered from the cross of Calvary. And if you read Psalm 22, you actually read in great detail the agony that Jesus experienced. You could read there about his crucifixion, his mockery, Uh, his, his the sour wine that he drank the torture that he endured that he experienced the terrors of hell both in body and soul here's the point in psalm 22 the good shepherd jesus was stricken smitten and afflicted for our sakes and it's only because of the sufferings of psalm 22 that we could come to psalm 23 and take the sweetness of this psalm upon our lips and say to God with confidence now, because of the Good Shepherd of Psalm 22, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, we can say with confidence, I shall not want. You see, sheep are wholly dependent upon their shepherd. Uh, They're helpless without their shepherd sheep. They're weak and vulnerable creatures. But because the Lord of heaven and earth is the shepherd, we can say we will not be and want. And this is what David now goes on to explain. What does this good shepherd give to his people? What do we need? Well, verse 2, the first thing he gives is rest. Notice after this opening statement, we read about green pastures and still waters. Those are places where sheep can enjoy some good food and some nourishment. After morning grazing, sheep typically lie down for several hours at midday in a shady, and in a cool place. Sheep need to have rest. In fact, if sheep are just driven all day long, they will die. Jacob said in Genesis 33, verse 13, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the nursing flocks and herds are a care to me. If they are driven hard for one day, all the flocks will die. Likewise, we are sheep who need rest. We need rest at the end of every day. We need rest in holiday or vacation times. We need seasons of life where we just press pause and we reflect and we're refreshed by God in body and in soul. Indeed, the Christian life to become a Christian begins with resting in Jesus Christ and his finished work. As we heard in the call to worship, we are to be people who come to Jesus And we lay down our burdens. We cease fighting against God. We rest in the one who says, come to me and I will give you rest. And in our Christian life, the pattern that our gracious God gives to us as frail human beings is a pattern of resting and then working. We're here in this place this morning at church because God himself says, before you go into this world and work, before you go and labor for me, first, I want you to be refreshed. I want you to rest in me. I want you to know me. And that's such good news in the world. uh, The call is just to work, right? Work yourself to the bone in pursuit of what we often call success. But God says, no, first begin your week with rest. Rest physically. Rest mentally. Rest in the Lord and in his promises rest in who god says you are in jesus christ rest in the hope of glory the lord knows we are sheep who need rest and he alone can give us true rest in our souls Uh, one man by the name of uh, philip keller he actually lived as a shepherd for many years and he wrote a commentary on psalm 23 and he said this he says it's almost impossible for sheep to lie down unless they are free from all fear of predators, free from friction with others, free from torment from flies, and free from hunger for food. Fear, friction, flies, and famine. Sheep need to be free from all of these things in order to be content enough to lie down. And really good shepherds, know how to give their sheep this kind of rest. And our God is a really good shepherd. And even when we don't feel like we need it, even when we feel like we could keep on going, God says, no, trust in my design of rest for your souls. I'm a good shepherd who knows what you need. God gives us rest, and notice verse 3, he also gives us restoration, restoration. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Not only does a shepherd refresh his sheep physically by giving them food and water, but a shepherd also treats their sheep when they're sick, when they're diseased, when they're hurt. A shepherd will care for his flock. Again, sheep are helpless to recover on their own. They're actually, again, very vulnerable animals. But the restoration God provides for his sheep, for us, is not only physical, but it's also spiritual. The Lord restores our souls by bringing us back to God when we have strayed. The paths of righteousness that we speak of here are those paths in life that please God. The paths that are in accordance with God's law. And this morning whether we are here today and we are christians who confess the lord jesus or not the truth is all of us wander from god's paths of righteousness no one in this world is a completely obedient sheep as we heard already this comparison uh, of god's people to sheep it's actually a very humbling one because sheep are not known for their brains they're actually very foolish animals very foolish creatures again, one actual shepherd puts it like this. He says, sheep can have the best shepherd who could have brought them to the best grazing lands near the abundant supply of water, and they will still wander away where the fields are barren and the water is undrinkable. And that is us, isn't it? That's me. That's you on Monday, maybe even Sunday afternoon. We all wander off the path and we find ourselves again on the side of the road, in the ditch, upside down, vulnerable, calling out for help again. The prophet Isaiah puts it like this. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him, that suffering servant, the iniquity of us all. The Lord has dealt with our wayward condition by sending Jesus to us, the one who would lay down his life for wandering sheep that we could be brought again back into the fold. And this morning, Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. In fact, in Luke 15, Jesus gives a parable about what his heart is like as a shepherd when he sees just one wandering sheep leaving the 99, he leaves the 99, he goes after that one lost sheep. And he takes that little lamb and he puts that lamb on his shoulders and joyfully, the scriptures say, joyfully, he brings that lamb back home. That's the heart of our good shepherd. We read here, the Lord restores our souls. Why? For his name's sake. In other words, God is concerned for his own reputation as our good shepherd and that is connected with our greatest good. He takes it upon himself that not one sheep under his care will ever be lost forever, but he keeps us in the palm of his hand. Again, think about the author of this psalm, King David. He knew, didn't he? David knew the restorative grace of God. Just like us, David, he broke all of God's commandments. He coveted his neighbor's wife. He stole her. He lied about it. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He blasphemed God's name because he had God's name upon him as his anointed king. Like us, David broke all of God's commandments. But King David experienced the restorative grace of the good shepherd, who brought him back to repentance, who brought him back to faith. And now in this time of prosperity, David remembers the goodness of the Lord. He doesn't forget, but he celebrates grace. And he says, the Lord restores my soul for his name's sake. Our good shepherd provides rest. Our good shepherd provides restoration. And finally, our good shepherd provides protection. Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The picture here is of a flock's seasonal passage uh, from the lowlands, where the sheep spend the winter, to the high pastures, where they go in the summertime. But in order to make this journey, they have to pass through valleys. They have to pass through uh, these difficult and dangerous paths. Valleys are places of danger. As one commentator put it, wild animals hide in the broken canyon walls. Sudden storms can sweep uh, along the valley floors. The valley can be cold and dark because not much light shines in the valley. And so there's many evils that can fall upon the sheep. As we hear that, we think about our own life. We think about how For us, there are many evils that can fall upon us suddenly. A sudden change of health, a sudden tragic accident, a financial crisis, something in the world that just happens unexpectedly that turns our world upside down. For the Christian, it's important to note that these dark valleys are part of the paths of righteousness that God leads us on at times. Sometimes the way is dark, and scary, and unsure. David knew this himself. He knew times of persecution, times where he feared for his life. But David says he will not fear when he is in the valley, because the good shepherd is with him. The only real comfort that we can find, real comfort, in the valleys of life is the presence of the good shepherd, the presence of the one who is well-equipped to fight for us and to defend us. That's what David says. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff they comfort me. That rod is a club that is used to to fight away animals that would attack the sheep and the staff is what the shepherd uses to to guide the sheep through the valley. Our shepherd is well equipped to care for us and all of us here this morning whether we are little children or whether we are later on in our pilgrim life all of us will go through valleys in this life and all of us one day will go through that darkest of valleys which is death itself. And when we face death, no human being will be able to go with us in that valley. No mom or dad, brother or sister, friend or pastor can go with us through that passage of death. But there is one who can, and it is this good shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And he says that even in the darkest of valleys, even when you pass through that moment of death, there is someone who's going to be with you and it's Jesus, and he will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death safely to your eternal home. David finds great comfort in this. Notice the shift in speech that happens at this point. He not only says that he, the good shepherd, is with me, but he says, notice, you, directly to God, he says, you are with me. That's the heart of the psalm, You are with me. You are near to me. As one commentator said, we are never so conscious of the presence of God as when we pass through life's valleys. David says again, I will not fear. You are with me. I will not fall completely because you're with me to restore. I I will not be in want of anything in this life because you're with me. The personal presence of God found in verse 4 is at the heart of the psalm. God, you are with me. This is the Old Testament equivalent of Paul's words in Romans chapter 8, where Paul says, Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord is with his people. And we focused here on how the Lord is with his people as a shepherd But as we begin to wind down and close, I just want to focus on a final image, metaphor that God provides for us and how he's with us as well. And it's he's with us as our host or as our friend. Verse five, David says what? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord here is portrayed as a wealthy friend, who knows how to provide for weary uh, pilgrims, divine hospitality. Do you have any wealthy friends that when you go to their house, they just, you know, especially know how to take care of you and show hospitality? Uh, you know, maybe the food is especially good and the wine is a little bit more expensive and the silverware is nice and you just feel like, man, this person is just lavishing love and hospitality on me. Well, God is portrayed as that kind of friend, he anoints our head with oil. Oil was used for hearing, uh, healing uh, weary travelers who spent hot days in the sun. Their skin would crack and, and grow hard in the sun, and the oil would be a kind of refreshment to them that would replenish them. God says in Jeremiah 31, verse 25, I will refresh the weary, and I will satisfy the faint. David says, my my cup, it overflows. The old King James, my cup runneth over. Uh, This cup is that cup that's filled with wine at a feast. and, And notice it's overflowing. And that cup is just symbolic of the whole meal itself, right? The table is set. The plates are full. The drinks are flowing. God knows how to provide a wonderful party for his people. Divine hospitality, a gracious host, And notice where does he do this in the presence of david's enemies in other words the enemies that are pressing in on david the enemies even of sin that he feels in his own heart even these enemies cannot keep david they cannot keep us from enjoying the feast that god has prepared for us enjoying the joy that is found in jesus christ even this morning the sins that we feel inside the pressures of our own life the brokenness of our world, these things cannot ultimately disturb the rest and the peace and joy that God blesses his people with. David is in this time of prosperity, and in this season of life, he does not forget God, but he steps back here in this psalm. He acknowledges and celebrates the goodness of the Lord. He not only has a shepherd who guides him, but he has a faithful friend who cares for him. And at the end of this psalm, in our final verse, we see this grace of God, this relentless grace that follows us in every season of life. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, sometimes as Christians, we think that we are the ones who are pursuing God's love and God's grace in this life. That That's our our call, and it is. That's true to a degree. But the emphasis here at the end of Psalm 23 is that it's actually God's goodness and it's God's love that is pursuing us every day of our life and every season of life. Surely goodness and mercy, I like this translation, will pursue me or run after me all the days of my life. And this goodness and this mercy has to do with God's covenant love. That word here translated for love is the word that you heard in Psalm 13 for God's covenant love. Maybe you remember the Hebrew word that Pastor Taylor mentioned, that word chesed. God's covenant faithfulness children this is the love of God that sticks to you like super glue you just can't get it off of you it's sticky you can't get away from it and that's what this psalm is telling us this goodness of God this love of God is going to stick with us in every season of life yes in the green pastures and yes in the valley this love will be upon his people and what does David say here at the end Ultimately, this covenant love of God that is sticky is going to lead God's people home. Look at this psalm and notice how the intimacy grows as you continue to read it. You know, sheep don't dwell in the house, right? They're outside. They're in the pen. Only members of the family get to dwell in the house. And we see here in this psalm, notice we're not only sheep in this life, We're not only friends of God who get to visit on occasion, but dear beloved, we are sons and daughters of God who get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever because we have been adopted into the family on account of our elder brother, Jesus Christ. One day, beloved, one day after we have gone through this life under the care of our good shepherd, we will go to our eternal place Of rest Jesus said in John 14 if I go to prepare a place for you I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am this morning if you are not yet a follower of Jesus if you've never confessed true faith in Jesus Christ why would you want to push away a God like this a God who calls us not only sheep and friends but a God who calls us beloved sons of God and daughters of God who have an eternal home, an eternal security, an eternal place of rest. Salvation is found when we call upon God personally, when we could say with David, the Lord is not just a great shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd and he is with me. Is that your confession this morning? May we all acknowledge our own reality that we are frail and weak sheep and may we look to god as our guide and our friend may we cling to the one who laid down his life for us when we were wandering from the fold of god and may we trust that his grace that saved us will lead us all the way to our eternal home amen let's pray Dear, our great and our awesome god we praise you for being such a great god such a good shepherd and our faithful friend we thank you for the rest that you give us even on days like this help us to receive it or teach us what it means to press pause and to look to you in faith to be refreshed by you in body and in soul we pray especially lord that we might be refreshed as we confess our sins and as we lay our burdens before the cross of jesus before the one who bids us come who invites us to come, and who promises us rest when we come. We pray, Father, that you would also fix our minds and our hearts upon that eternal place of rest that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. Write eternity on our eyes, so that we might live not for the things that are passing away, but that we might live for your glory and for your kingdom. We praise you, and we thank you, our gracious and merciful God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.